0: Canine Detection Collaborative! A Detection Dog Training Trio! With Stacey Barnett! Hi! Robin Grubo! Hey there! And Crystal Wing! What's up? With humor and a big dose of theory, our trio talks practical training advice and features interviews with top trainers and scientists. It's Canine Detection Collaborative!
1: Hello, everybody. This is Robin Grubel, and I am here with Crystal Wing. Hello, friends. And a very special guest. Woo-hoo. I know, super excited. Miss <laughs> um, Lauren DeGrieff. Hello there. Yes. So Lauren has joined us again. She was our very, very first guest.
0: Yes. No, not first guest. Tabitha was. Oh, she Tabitha was. Yeah, for scientists. Yes, (laughs) I know. But she has a
1: super exciting thing that is coming up at the end of May. So we wanted to bring her back on to
0: talk about that. And I'm having FOMO because I'm going to be at school with seniors and finals and I so want to go. So I can't wait to hear all the good stuff. (laughs) I know. And then we also want to hear about all the cool other stuff
1: that's going on in our lab. So Lauren what's going on at the end of May?
2: So I'm very excited because at the end of May, we are going to be hosting the first ever canine olfaction science conference. And that's not the full name. What is the full name? It is canine psychon. Well, it is canine psychon. That's the short one. I picked a really long name, canine detection and olfaction science conference. There we go. It (laughs) is going to be held at. In Miami, Florida, from May 23rd to 25th, Um, and it's being hosted by Florida International University, where I
1: currently reside as a professor, conveniently enough. Fantastic. And I was just looking through all of the speakers, and so one of the things everybody will get in the show notes is you will get a link to be able to either register to look at the agenda and see who all is speaking and everything. And so you have it set up so that each day has a plenary session, so has a big master session. So who are those three people?
2: So on the first day, our big plenary speaker is Dr. Paola Prada-Tiedemann, Dr. Tiedemann at Texas Tech University. Um, And she's going to be walking us through kind of where canine science has been and where it's going. She and I actually both started in canine science around the same time. Um, and when we both started, there was a lot of pushback still. There wasn't a lot of interest in science being involved in canine detection. It was hard to get people invested. It was hard to get volunteers for our studies. And it's changed a lot. People have really come to embrace it. and. Um, Scientists have learned that they have to work with operational and operational have learned that they that it's useful to understand the science. So it's much more of a team effort. And um, so she's going to walk us through um, how that has come to be and where we look to go forward. So that's on the day one. And then um, on day two. So this is technically this first conference that we're having is in support of a book that I did with Craig Schultz at the FBI. Um, and that book is called Canines, the Original Biosensors. So um, Craig and I were the editors. It's a multi authored book. There's a whole ton of fantastic authors in it. It ended up being 800 pages. I it's don't know amazing. what happened. <laughs> it got a little out of control. Um, <laughs> but so Craig and I, uh, we are putting this conference on. So we gave ourselves the, <laughs> the other plenary spots. So nice of us uh, for Wednesday <laughs> and Thursday. So uh, um, I cannot remember who's on Wednesday and who's on Thursday. But I'm going to be talking about odor chemistry and Craig is going to be talking about legal implications as it relates to uh, human remains and uh, live human trailing,
1: tracking dogs. Okay, so when you say odor chemistry, my brain goes in about five different directions.
0: Yeah, I was totally sitting here going, uh, we're going to need a sneak peek at that. Yeah, so (laughs) define odor chemistry for
1: the practitioner.
2: Okay, so what I do is I try to take what I do and tell the practitioner about what matters to them. So, I will do uh, a little primer on terms I use, like the term odorant um, versus the term odor, uh, things like that. And then I'll talk a little bit about the science of chemistry that's going on, the kind of chemistry I do in my lab, and that other, um, the, the small handful of us, other ke- uh, chemists do for cannabis detection and what that means. So, a lot of what I look at in my lab is. Um, how does odor change and how does that affect how you should train do you need different types of training aids should you be aware that your training aid the odor might be changing over time Um, we worry about contamination we try to figure out what the main odorants the dog might be smelling is and um, try to figure out how to make better training aids so ultimately I just try to use chemistry to make a more proficient dog
1: okay that makes my head hurt but that's all good
2: um I try and, very hard not to make your head hurt when I speak I know you do <laughs> actually you do a
1: really good job that other than the whole oh my gosh I have to really think about what I'm doing with my training aids so I was just looking at the whole entire list of I mean you've got people from the Canadian Police Canine Association yeah he's um, great Brad Gillespie yeah. gives yeah fantastic talk and I I don't want to say her name wrong because I've admired her since I got into work twenty two years ago. Addie Shun, Addie Shun. Ade. I've known
2: Day since I was in graduate school. She's she's wonderful. She gives a How wonderful. How did you meet her? She was a sponsor. She was funding some research, not that I was doing, but that another student that I was working with was doing. And I just um, she came to visit to see check up on the project. A handful of times, um, and then, you know, we've since I ha- I've done canine research. Since then, we just continuously kind of end up at the same conferences. So, um, and now I'm doing a little small handful of research for her to look at what kind of contamination is going on in their training needs.
1: Interesting, because they do. There's a whole bunch of work that has been done on scent evidence type of stuff.
2: Yes. So she did some of that really fundamental work on scent evidence, um, which is used a lot more in Europe than it is in the United States. So they do where they match, they do like a scent lineup like we do with visual lineup. They do it with the dogs. Um, and she did a lot of that fundamental research, which has been really important. More so in Europe because they use it and we don't. But... Right. E- excellent. Um, but now she's into mine dogs. And I think that she works with um, the rats in Tanzania with a um, that the mine detection rats. But I think she's going to be giving a talk on the mine detection dogs um, in Cambodia.
1: That's scary stuff.
2: It is. That's why we have dogs. <laughs> yes. They do,
1: they do not set off the landmines. They're nice and light. Oh, it, it, wow. Huh. And you? so and you've also got a whole bunch of people from the Naval Research Laboratory because isn't that where you used to work? It is.
2: I spent almost 10 years there in Washington, D.C. at the Naval Research Laboratory. So, we have a couple of breakout sessions um, to make sure that everybody has something of interest to go to. So, our first breakout session on the first day, we have, you know, what I'm calling like the really hardcore science talks. And then we have what I'm calling the really hardcore canine talks. So, on the hardcore canine talks, we're doing things more like um, nutrition considerations and fitness and foundations of training. And then I have my previous coworkers at the Naval Research Laboratory um, talking more about um, chemistry and chemical sensing um, in the what I'm calling the high, hardcore science session.
0: Hmm. So, who would you say that um, is your ideal audience for this?
2: It, I'm my ideal audience would be anywhere from a scientists, because we do have it broken out. So the scientists will get something out of it, not just operational. Um, And then I go all the way down to the handler who wants the next level of information. So there is going to be some basic, but this is not a basic training course. So the assumption is that you already know how to train a dog and now you want the next level of information. But we do have it set up so there is information for everybody, for all disciplines, Um, We have breakout sessions on Thursday where it breaks out into contraband detection, which is mostly explosives and drugs, versus um, anything human-related in the paired one. Um, We have panel discussions, and we're having breakouts for those, one which is uh, a nose work subjects, and then the other one uh, is going to be legal considerations. So we're trying to keep everybody involved um, from explosives and drugs through disaster all the way through sports.
1: What's been the hardest thing about setting up the conference? <laughs> Time. Um, <laughs> yes, the lack of
2: uh, 36-hour days. I don't know that there's anything that's been particularly hard about it. It's just a lot of things. It's just really exciting. Um, I'm just so shocked at that all the people. It's like I put a wish list together of who would be able to come speak. Robin is speaking. That's exciting. It is exciting. Um, <laughs> I put this wish list together and everybody that okay? And it's really, really exciting. And now people are coming all the way from Australia. In fact, and it's, it's very cool. And then FIU has been really good at supporting the back end, dealing with the registrations and money and things that I don't know how to handle.
0: <laughs> so what motivated you to do this? I mean, this seems like such a huge undertaking. Is this something that's happened before? Is this the first time this has ever happened?
2: Well, um, motivation
0: is insanity. Um <laughs> you're in our tribe then. Welcome. <laughs> yes, I uh, know, yes, I know. I
1: feel
2: I feel very on You're one you of right. us. Hug. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, I guess the motivation is the book that Craig and I put together and we just were talking one day and am are like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if we could do a, a conference on this? Um and, and then all of a sudden it, we were and I don't know what happened, it just happened. But to answer your question. There are a handful um, DSTL, which is in the UK. That's the Defence Science and Technology Laboratory in the UK. They have done a couple of science um, canine science conferences, and they actually are looking to start doing one annually. There's also been one out of I want to say Arizona State that Clive Wynn put on. Um, Cindy Otto does hers is more veterinary based Penvet. vet. Um, so there's there are a few sprinkling, but it they don't tend to stick other than Cindy does, but. Um, as I said, that's more veterinary based. Um, it doesn't tend to stick, so they'll do a couple, and then that's it. Um, there's not a ton of funding in this field. So I think that's probably the main reason. Our goal is to make this biannual. I don't think I can mentally handle doing it annually.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I'd like to see it happen again. I think it's great to get all these people in the room. and i I think right now, I know that the the world and the science needs to be really competitive, and I think right now it's really friendly and it's very collaborative. And so I think getting everybody in the same room is going to be really beneficial for the whole community.
0: Do you have any idea what's caused that shift toward more collaboration? I just think it's I, no,
2: I don't. I mean, there's still no funding, so it's certainly not that there's suddenly enough funding for everybody. That's yeah. that is certainly not what's causing it. Um, I guess it's more just understanding that there's no point in redoing the same studies over and over again, because that's a lot of what was happening is that that people weren't talking, and so studies uh-huh. were getting redone, and there's so few of us that do it, and there's so few, so little money. What's the point of repeating the same thing over and over again? Um, for instance, Dr. Tiedemann and I have very similar research interests, and at this point, we text each other before we start a new project to make sure that the other one isn't already doing it. Um, it's just much easier that way it's yeah. nicer nobody gets that like horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach oh, when a oh. when a paper comes out when you're like in the middle of the exact same project
0: oh yeah has that happened to you personally absolutely oh <laughs> so do you get to continue that work or do you just stop it
2: you make sure that yours has some kind of different point that it's making
0: but oh. um, but that's kind of hard halfway through. <laughs> there's a little bit. I
2: have, some, I have a backstory someday over beers. I'll, I'll
0: share that one. <laughs> I'll explain it to you. Yeah, looking forward to that one.
1: <laughs> well, when we think about some of the 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 conferences that go on, there's a lot of conferences that are geared towards practitioners. Mm-hmm. And, and I know one of the things that intrigued me to be highly involved in this particular conference is that you actually had the scientists who were doing the cutting edge science, but able to communicate it to the practitioners and then have the practitioners be able to communicate directly back. And so you guys set up this atmosphere, even from just how it's organized that it's a collaborative type of let's sit down and have a discussion over a beer or a cup of coffee.
2: Yeah, I think now that COVID's over, and we're all back to conferences. I think during that period of time, we realized how important conferences and meetings and in-person workshops and all that good stuff really are because of that after hours, that time to chat. I think it's so important to be able to sit down and have a beer with somebody. I mean, I I know that's where great ideas come from is where you get these different types of people. They may listen to their talks during the day. Maybe they didn't have a question at the time. Um, but by the time you you have a couple of beers, or you have dinner, you sit down and now you start chatting about each other's talks um, or other people's talks that you heard that day. And suddenly these new ideas come up. Um, I definitely think I I'd try to do in my field of chemistry, you either do basic Research, you do applied and basic means like you try to figure out the fundamentals of things. And I definitely do very, very applied. I like my research to have a, an immediate use in the canine community. Um, and I think I get my best research ideas by chatting with the operational people or by the questions that they ask me that I can't answer when I give talks. So I find getting up and giving talks to the operational community to be probably the most valuable thing I do in my career. Hmm.
0: You were talking about funding, and I was curious, um, did your university fund this then, or how did you make this happen?
2: No, I, I, they didn't. I mean, they have been very supportive. Don't get me wrong. And right. I do know that there is university dollars in a back channel. That sounds illegal. I don't mean it in a legal way. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I mean. Yes, I hear They're you. They're
1: providing administrative support. They are providing yes. administrative support, right.
2: which I am not paying for. And, the, and some, in the grand scheme of the world is not free. So yeah. yes, the university is providing support in that manner. And I am extraordinarily thankful to them. But we went out and we got sponsors such as Canine Census, who is our gold sponsor. Woo-hoo. Yay, Thank <laughs> you. Canine Census. You're very, welcome. very, very exciting. And then a handful of other sponsors. So I really appreciate all of the sponsors that have gotten in on this the, this first conference that we're having. And then we have a handful of vendors that will be there as well. Um, and now, you know, now it's all up to registration. And I am not supposed to announce it yet, but I will announce that um, for our lovely people in Europe and the people who are in school, and I believe there's somebody who is like due on the day of our conference that really wanted to go, that we are going to have an on-demand. I mean,
0: is that a reason? (laughs) Is
2: that her due date? I don't know. It's like kind of illegal, not illegal, but it's frowned upon flying when you're, you know, about uh, to have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. But we are going to do on-demand. So it won't be live. We're not doing streaming, but people will be able to watch the conference or later. chunks of the conference after later. They'll be able to purchase an on-demand and anybody who actually comes in person will have free
0: access to on-demand for a year. Is this when I profess my love to you? <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> so uh, I, I, it is not on the website yet because I have to figure out some logistics still. It should be on the website in the next week or so. Nice. Uh, Excellent. So, so we are moving in made that direction. my day. I know I have a (laughs) lot of people on Facebook that are very angry with me for not doing streaming. Uh, That's I have never been to a conference that's hybrid. That isn't a a disaster at some point. So I don't I don't want to do that. So on demand seems great. Plus, there's a lot of people from Europe and Australia that have been asking for the streaming and streaming doesn't help them because now
1: they're up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Watching the conference. Yeah. I, I At the point, so seriously, can they be up at 2am and really per- retain anything, but if they can do the on demand and go in and watch it, because one of the things that I'm going to, I was looking at how you have everything set up and I was like, dude, I need to clone myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're
2: making it for all the strengths. We want to make sure that they have you know, access to the on-demand so they can see things that were in different sessions.
1: Right. Cause I, I, I at this point um, I have friends who are coming and I was like, okay, we're going to have to like divide and conquer, but that just solved that problem. So now I can have more wine.
0: So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm so glad. I, I know. So do you yeah. think that fundraising wise or like funding wise, we'd be able to actually get some money from this to then save, to make another one in the future?
2: Oh, God willing. Um, that's what I'm hoping that the on-demand will put us sh- over the mark. So we will be able to stay for the future. I mean, that is absolutely the intention is yeah. to be able to do this again. Um, but I'm also hoping that it goes really well. And so we'll have, you know, great sponsors again in two years.
1: Yeah. So, Are you always going to keep it in Miami? I don't know the answer to that. I was, I'm going to do a survey at the end about you know,
2: a variety of different Questions And one of the things I want to ask is location. Should we have it in my, it is very easy to do it in Miami because FIU supports and it's local. Um, and FIU actually has one of the top hospitality management programs in the country. So we have a fabulous convention center um, that overlooks the water. So it's on our other campus. Um, and so we're holding it in that location. So it is quite convenient.
1: Well, and flying into Miami and, you know, all of the the major airport things and all of those sorts of things, those are huge considerations when you start thinking about conference management, especially when you have a significant number of yeah. international people attending. I think Lambert is international.
0: Uh, Lambert, (laughs) St. Louis. Uh, I think it's
2: international. That was my home airport for my entire life. Yeah, sure. They fly to Canada, probably. I do believe it is international. Technically, they probably fly to Mexico, also.
0: (laughs) I'm trying, (laughs) and it's not. It's all about me, you know.
2: (laughs) My parents would be very pleased
0: if we had it in St. Louis. Hey, I got you the hookup. Then I'll, I'll get you rolling.
2: <laughs> I don't know. We, I mean, Miami does have a huge international airport. It's just not really like Europe international. I've flown yeah. to Europe a handful of times since I moved back to Miami. It's not easy. Yeah, it's great if you want to fly to South America. <laughs> less great, less great going other directions. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, we have to. I have to think have to think on that. Yeah, open to suggestions. Lamb or
0: St. Louis. There should be more conferences in St. Louis. Oh, uh-huh. you just put that out in the universe. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> Dead smack in the middle, right? <laughs> hey, I got
2: married an hour and forty-five minute drive away from the St. Louis airport, nice. and we brought people all over the place. So wow. they did it. They
0: were fine. Where were you? Where'd you get married?
2: Uh, Quincy, Illinois is where I'm from.
0: Okay, yeah, that's real just close. Like on the border of yeah, Missouri.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yay. So I'm looking through all of the attendees. Are the the people who are presenting? And it looks like there are several presenters from Florida International University, which is exciting because are they graduate students that are going to get to present their research? Yes, we have. Yes. So um, we have the way you started talking about
2: this, the way it's set up is each day there is a plenary, um, and then we have. And those are 45-minute talks. And then we have a bunch of 30-minute talks. Those are all the people that I invited to come out um, initially. And then we opened it up to abstracts where people could send us their research ideas. And those are short little 15-minute short research topics. Um, And so I do have a a nice handful of my graduate students that are going to be presenting their work. Um, There's also a nice handful of... um, Dr. Nathan Hall and Dr. Paola Tiedemann's re, uh, graduate students that will be presenting their work as well. I'm really excited that they're coming. Um, and then a handful of um, people from other, other locations. So by doing it this way, we were able to get a really broad number of people to speak, not just my friends.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm I'm looking at the, the, here's one, on odor memory and training efficiency. Oh my gosh, how fascinating. By Faye. And that's
2: Faye's, yeah. Yeah.
1: And because I know that there's also been some other research done on, you know, how long do dogs remember odors and things of that nature? Um, so super excited. And then Ann Waterbury from the Sound Dog Connection. And I was like, yeah, tell me about that. Because I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I've heard of her.
2: Anne Waterbury, um, she wrote a, a chapter in my book. She's fantastic. She actually wrote the, the chapter with Craig Schultz. And I met... Um, she was oh gosh, I'm gonna get the exact position wrong. She had a position with um N A C S W, so nose work. Um, she was like their lead training person. Something she she was in charge of the oh God, she's gonna listen to this and be like, no, Lauren, you're not even close. Um <laughs> she was in charge of the I think the certified nose work instructor, instructor. Training, okay. I believe. I believe, I think Um, she worked for them for a really long time and ended up going going out to business on her own. But we were at a a conference and it was actually half operational and half nose work. It was a strange conference. Um, But we were at a conference. We were having a a glass of wine and I was listening to her talk to another behavioralist. And she does a lot of um, ethology and I was listening to them talk and I could listen to her talk forever. I like the way she talks. I like the way she explains things. I like her passion behind it. So I asked her if she would write a chapter in the book and she was like blown away and it ended up being a phenomenal chapter. Um, So she's going to, she's going to come out and talk about her chapter, um, which is applying science to behavior analysis. So she'll talk about um what watching dogs and what is it, what is what they're doing? Tell us.
1: Fantastic. That's the theology part of it. And I was having discussions with somebody about, you know, the fact that your, you know, your labs react different than your Malinois because, you know, they're kind of bred to do different things and, you know, which is different than your border collies. So understanding some of that etiology will help you in your training. It doesn't necessarily have to dictate everything, but having an understanding of it can, can really help you understand where some behaviors are coming from in your dog's.
2: Yeah. I think she teaches a lot of classes. I think this will be really good. I think you will really like it. Absolutely. Another one that you guys might not recognize that I think you're going to really like, particularly Robin, this is just right up your alley is, um, Dr. Lindsay Waldrop. She's at Chapman university. She's in the biology, but she does. Um, oh gosh, see now here, here I go again. Um, I'm going to get her job wrong, so I'm not going to say it, but she does fluid dynamics related to behavior. (sighs) So she did a lot of stuff with crab, crab sniffing odor. Um, back when she was a postdoc and now she is her own person and we're working on a research project together, but she is going to talk about odor plumes. Ooh, Um, Fun. Yeah, I know. I thought you'd like that. So she's going to talk about fluid dynamics and odor plumes. The fun thing is is that she is also a, um, she handles a dog for nose work.
1: Oh, fun. Oh my gosh. Like
2: as a side project. So I think it's going to be really cool to be able to listen to her talk about her science because she definitely understands it from an operational side also.
0: Fantastic. I think I didn't hear that right. Did you say crab sniffing? Yeah. mm -hmm. Crabs. Crab smelling things in the ocean. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I... Okay. What were they finding?
2: <laughs> i don't know i just want to know like i can't find funding for dogs <laughs> finding explosives, but she can find funding for crabs i like i don't uh, out stuff
0: yeah you, you need to find out her source
2: <laughs> I know. I'm like, what am i doing wrong
0: <laughs> and i'm not downplaying the the importance of crab sniffing
2: i am not either <laughs> i just want to know i just feel like my way of going about getting money is
0: wrong <laughs> I want I want all of you to get funded that's I want it yes all, so
2: <laughs> but I, you know what's funny I um it's a really funny story how we met because i I used to use it wasn't I don't think it was actually her research but it was her postdoc it was while she was in a while she was doing this postdoc related to crab I think it was the professor's paper um, had these really cool odor plumes and it was underwater but they they were really nice to look at so I used them in talks to explain odor plumes and uh, I went to Chapman University as an undergrad, and I was giving like a, a talk coming back, like, "Oh, here's what I do for a job." Ask me questions, students, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, she got in afterwards. She's like, "Oh, I do nose work." Yada yada yada, and we start talking and realize that we have um, mutual interests. And then I was saying something about the crabs, and she's like, "Oh yeah, that was my postdoc work." I'm like, "You're <laughs> kidding me!" <laughs> I'm like, "I use that talk. I use that image all the time." Um, and then we ended up uh, writing a proposal together and the project has been really cool.
0: I absolutely see the, the use of that of being able to understand the odor movement because we can see it in water. So I, I just, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm so fascinated. I can't wait to, to, to dig into that a little. I'm really excited. So now I want to see the pictures. <laughs> yeah, this, this rabbit hole
2: has to happen. I, I know I'll have to go find them. They're good though. I mean, that's all I could find It's before I found it's before I found all of um, canine census, fancy, Thanks. Yeah, my
1: illustration
2: Car- illustrations. Cartoons.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, my plume cartoons. I love that.
0: Didn't they make it into the book too? They did. They did. Wow. Like pages
2: and pages of them. Yeah. Wow. I was really surprised when the book didn't come back and we're like, no, this is too many.
1: <laughs> no, they they did. And it's it was fantastic. My graphic artist did a fantastic job. Yeah, curved. they're
2: beautiful. Yeah.
1: Um, so I was interested to see. So Andrea Pintar, who I met Ah. probably seven, she came over to a a cadaver job workshop where I was teaching and that they're doing stuff for, um, locating burials for dating to the European middle ages, which is fascinating.
2: I actually I've met Andrea a couple of times. Um, we kind of follow each other on Facebook. I have a vague idea of what she's doing. I think that's a mutual, yes, understanding. We met each other a couple of times and we re- like got along really well. Uh, you know, there's only so many people who do human remains stuff, and, and you, yeah. you kind of bond yes. on the weirdness. Um, we do. She She's she submitted an abstract and for one of the 15 minute talks, and I was like, oh man, I'd love to hear. Her and her partners speak for longer. Um, and then one of my speakers dropped out and, I'm like, hey, I have a 30 minute spot. And they're like, oh, thank goodness. I don't know how we were going to do this in 15 minutes. So, oh, good. <laughs> um, I'm really, really excited to hear her talk as well, get an update on what they have been up to. Um, it sounds like it should be really cool. So, yeah, that's in my
1: human odor breakout session. Well, because when I initially met her, they were doing war crimes work yes. for mass graves. And that's a heavy lift emotionally. And I'm like, wow. So um excited to so see. So people that. that have been
2: dead since the Middle Ages is probably less emotionally.
1: Yes. Yeah, less emotional baggage. Yes. I totally agree. Uh,
0: so. So, we've covered rats uh, in mines, and we've covered crabs sniffing, and we've covered middle age graves. <laughs> we have insects. <laughs> or graves in the middle ages. Yeah. Uh, we have insects.
2: Insects. Okay. Have, yes. So, we have, um, let
0: me figure out what day he is. Like when you say there's something for everyone, you, I are, am uh, you uh, are. Dr. Totally, Thalmond from Michigan State yeah.
2: University. He's going to talk about insect olfaction, just kind of as a comparative study. So, <sighs> that should be really interesting, too.
0: And well, How much of this is going to be actual? Like, I can watch this at some point. Like, are you going to try to record all of this, or just the? We're recording ones? all of them.
2: All yeah, of we're going to record all of them. All of
0: yes, it. Yes, it's going to keep my students
2: <laughs> very, very busy. <laughs> oh my god! Excellent.
0: You're going to keep what, me really I mean, busy. <laughs> not on wood. The
2: intention is to record all of them at the moment.
0: Yes, barking out the details. Right. Technology.
1: You're covering everything. From um, I mean, a, there's person-born scenarios. So whether it's, you know, guns, explosives, whatever, mm-hmm. to cadaver, mm-hmm. to explosives and electronics detection. Yes. And we've also got Biomed with Teresa Zerberg. From Vancouver Coastal Health.
2: Yes, yeah, so she's one of my shorter talks. I wish it was longer. I wish I could have everybody for longer. I just feel like I, you know, I thought fifteen minutes was a good idea. And now I feel like now I feel like we should have had a five day conference.
1: Are 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 you doing any posters? Are you doing any posters usually? I didn't do
2: posters this year. We probably will have to add them next time. Um, we didn't do it this year. It, it that will you know that will be in the survey. Respond. <laughs> Right. What do you you mean by posters? So at a lot of scientific conferences, you'll have like, if you have a small project or part of a project done um, or you just want to show the overview for you, you'll have a a, literally a poster and they'll be on like a foam board and you'll put it up and it gives like a summary of your research and whomever is. But usually they'll leave them up for like maybe the duration of the conference or for a day of the conference, but there'll be a given period of time, usually with wine and cheese, where there'll be the actual researcher that (laughs) did it, that owns the poster that will stand next to it and you can ask that person questions. So that
1: would be... It's kind of like a science fair without any erupting volcanoes or... um,
2: I think that's a really
1: good explanation. (laughs) Yes, that's a much better way of saying it. Science (laughs) fair
0: so no rats or crabs or insects along no, with it just just, just the, the poster. poster just just the poster
1: <laughs> and usually some very um passionate graduate student standing right next to their poster praying that someone comes to talk to them or depending on the student praying Aww. that somebody doesn't
2: come to talk to them
1: it's very true that's <laughs> actually a very valid point so but it's it's great um, it's a great experience for the students because you never know who's going to walk up to you and ask you a question and it's really Shark Tank-like in a friendly Sometimes
2: manner. Sometimes I actually, like there's certain <laughs> conferences I go to where I think the poster sessions are more valuable um, because you get to talk to people directly about your, t- a lot of people don't want to ask a question. If there's 60 people in the room, they're not, they don't want to ask the speaker a question, yeah. especially if there's two minutes for questions. They don't, they don't want to do that. Um, so posters tend to be a better place to have a conversation, which, Yeah.
0: And they only have 15 minutes as it is. So it's, you don't really want to ask a question and interrupt that flow. Exactly. Right. And you're even covering
1: a whole bunch of stuff or some stuff, not a whole bunch of stuff about marijuana. Cause that's like a big, I know in our law enforcement circles, that's like one of the big things that we have dogs who are being retired from service because they, they can't, you know, there's this marijuana is now legal type of thing. So, um, is I see a 15-minute a study by Kelvin mm-hmm. on um, differentiating between marijuana and hemp.
2: Yeah. So Dr. Frank's work, he, he is a somewhat recent graduate of FIU. Um, so he's a postdoc now. Uh, this was some of his dissertation work. And he showed both chemically and with dogs that you can get them to differentiate between marijuana and hemp. They don't do it now. Some dogs do naturally. Most of them do not differentiate naturally, but you can train them to do so. And then he was able to show chemically that there is a logical reason for that. Um, so he's going to be talking about that. And then I have another student, Janet, uh, who will be talking about um, geographic variation, um, indicating that if you train on Mexican pot and you only train on Mexican pot, that is that going to make location of Canadian pot difficult, for instance? So we haven't done the dogs then we have the the that you we have shown chemically that there is differences between the odor depending on where it was grown. Hmm. Or if you only wanted to Makes find sense. Mexican, if you wanted to train a dog to find only Mexican pot, you could
1: do Interesting. So we also forgot to mention the oil detection canine stuff yes. that you have. I mean Paul Bunkers coming yes. to to talk about that. I'm excited to watch. I that love one. Paul. Yeah, he's um, great. Yeah. So, and I'll just be fascinated on how they train the dogs to do it. I don't think. I mean, it's got to be on the easier side. Find There's oil. oil. There's a lot of smell. Um,
2: but he's done a lot of work There's, with. Can you teach the dog only to find new oil and to ignore old oil? Um, if there was like if if it, if it was a new spill in the Gulf, there's still tar balls in the Gulf. So, can you teach the dog to ignore the tar balls and only find the new? Um, can you teach the dog only to find a specific manufacturer is not the right word uh, source of crude oil and ignore others? So that's really interesting. And we have a I have a student that has is working with Paul, who's also talking, and we're trying to narrow down what part of the odor the dog is detecting so she's taking chunks of the odor profile and giving it to the dogs and trying to figure out what the dogs are interested in and this could be very relevant for better um understanding of how human remains dogs are working so the tech the, what mm-hmm. she's doing right now to explore with the oil detection dogs is definitely something um, that we could be doing with human remains to get a better idea of what in the world the dogs are detecting.
1: Right. Fascinating. So, so the oil detection dogs, we're talking like pipeline detection.
2: No, we're talking right? for, uh, oil spill remediation. Although he also, I think, has interest in pipeline detection. I'm not sure if he's talking about it, but he is interested in um, oil spill remediation. So crude oil. Huh. Who knew? Who knew? Do you know dogs do it? Did you know that they're actually deploying dogs? He works with a guy named Ed Owens and um, who does oil spill remediation and they work as a team and they, yeah, it's really cool. They can find oil that is under the sand or under the ice or submerged in water that you would not be able to visually find.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. W- I love dogs. I know. So cool. Dogs are pretty- <laughs> <laughs> that's my, that's my takeaway already. I just love so dogs. <laughs> cool. uh, so handy. They, they make, yeah, yeah, they make up for a lot of faults that we have. In so many ways. <laughs> oh, in so many ways. So,
1: you know, we made I made this big, huge list of, oh my gosh, you're covering all of this other stuff. And then I'm looking at the agenda and I'm like, oh. I missed the whole method on screening maritime containers by Samuel Wassner from the University oh, yes. of Washington. Yeah. And so what are we sampling for? If I
2: if, now I am not going to, I don't want to um speak incorrectly, but I believe I assume from what I know about uh his work, um, I assume he is looking for uh illegal either either. Things that are not supposed to be in this country. So either illegal timber or, um, you know, ivory and things like that. Pas- pascaline. What are the cute little animals that scales Pascaline scale? Is that what? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Yes.
2: I'm not sure, but I, it's something in that thing being brought in that shouldn't be. And we're not talking explosives. We're talking um, invasive species. Contraband. Yeah. It's contraband. Yeah. Right, and I should honestly know because I have read his abstract, but I've read a lot.
1: Well, I'm sure you, but you have have okay. So you have how many abstracts that you were juggling in order oh, to try yeah. and get through all of this? Hence,
2: why I don't remember exactly what he's speaking on.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot. We have a lot of talks. A lot. I haven't counted. There's yes. a lot of talks. There's a lot of talks. Well, um, and you're you're doing everything from you know cyborg gas sensors from someone from Michigan State talking about that. Oh, that's the insect olfaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, I would not have gotten insects out of that title.
2: They do fun things to the insects.
0: Oh. <laughs> they have to have ta, very ta, ta, ta. I know. <laughs> <laughs> They
1: have to, have to have very small tools to do that to an end They do.
2: I yes, they do. I missed um we were working with uh what's the one in University of what's the one in St. Louis? WashU? Um, uh-huh with uh who I believe Dr. Saha came, did his postdoc there maybe. Um, and we were working with them when I was with the Navy, and they did tiny bug surgery to put little packs on them to make them into explosive
0: sensors. Uh, okay, <laughs> I don't even have a, a really.
2: I just remember being like, "They're like we, they're like we could bring it to NRL and we can test things there." I'm like, "I don't need to be in the room while we're doing bug surgery."
1: and then i'm having ant-man flashes right so i oh my gosh i so he's gonna be talking about insect olfaction and then he's going to be
2: going into more um novel technology out there like like what we're talking about um but i think it's really interesting because insects ultimately use olfaction similar to canines um and it's it's really interesting to be able to compare the two and then additionally, something like putting sensors on dogs would is a really interesting move in the future is can we can we have the dogs give us even more information if we team them up with technology?
1: Yeah. Can we augment
2: well which is not physically. I'm not for the record, anybody right. listening, I am not saying surgically implant anything. I'm more thinking of attach something to a collar.
1: A wearable. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> we're not we're not implanting anything in dogs. <laughs> FIU does not <laughs>
1: implant anything in
0: dogs. <laughs> this is where all the hate mail starts. Right? Yeah.
1: Oh no, they're going to put antennae on our dog. No, it's a wearable. It is a wearable on a backpack. So, right. I'm excited to see the the vapor generation and delivery for canine testing and training, which is um, Brandon, Braden, Braden
2: got NRL written all over yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Yep. So, and then um, Dr. Otto and um, Dr. Perry doing nutrition and health and fitness. So this is one of those conferences that if you can't find something to go to, you're not looking very hard. I mean, I'm really biased, but I agree. Yeah. So now that you, you know, this has become your, like, Part-time job. (laughs) In addition to your full-time job, mm -hmm, since we last talked to you about a year ago, what's new in the lab? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea what was
2: going on a year ago in the lab. But that's a great (laughs) question. Um, I have a whole slew of graduate students. I think I'm up to nine now. So we have all kinds of good stuff going on. Um, I have a couple of lovely ladies that are. I actually have. I will point out that I have nine. um, female master's and phd students so very proud of that Fantastic. Um, mostly not my fault mostly because for whatever reason our program really attracts female scientists but i'm all for it anyway um, let's see i have a couple of lovely ladies that are doing human remains work so one is going to be looking at when does when that transition between live human and dead human scent happens um, Another one is going to be looking at how in the world do we store these things so they still continue to smell like they're supposed to and not, like, grow mold and act different than they would in the real world. So that's going to be a really good utilitarian um, project. Um, I have uh, another couple of students that are looking at con- – I have several students looking at contamination from different angles. So I have um, one that's making a cross contaminant contamination indicator. So something you can put in your kit to tell you when you think that you potentially have cross-contamination occurring. So when your training aids start to like smell like each other. Fantastic. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, So I'm really excited about that. Um, And then I have another one that's uh, two really that are doing a survey of contamination and how badly do these things really get contaminated? And then like, what do we do about it? Do, so she's looking at, okay, if you just leave it sitting on the counter, like, does the contamination go away? How quickly does it go away? Things, things of that nature. Um, and that's been a really interesting project. Does C4 sticky? Does it get more contaminated than something like ammonium nitrate? Like things, um, she's looking at things like that. Um, let's see, what else do we have going on? That's, I have the marijuana project we talked about. I have this neat biomechanics project that's working with Chapman University looking at um, if sniffing biomechanics changes depending on what they're smelling and um, the direction we think that is going is that it doesn't so much change what's going on in their nose, but more how they act with it. So we're hoping to pray to the funding gods, get maybe funding on follow-on research to get a better idea of should we be training dogs differently for different types of odors if they are working them differently. Um, So that's going to be really interesting Who else do I have? I'm missing people. Oh, I've got, I've got a good buried IED project that we're doing. And then I have the oil detection. We're doing some stuff with Surfside and decontamination with Dr. Perry. Whew, a whole variety of things. Oh my gosh. This is what happens when you end up with so many graduate students, you end up with so many projects, but it's so exciting. It's really great. I'm so happy to be in academia and be able to have the opportunity to do all of these different projects.
1: Well, and all of those have very real world application sort of outcome type of, yeah, that could actually help us as practitioners on how we manage our training aids or how we train and all of those sorts of things. So that's super
0: fantastic. And it really plays into where you said earlier that you really enjoy the applied part of it. And yeah. that really shows. I wonder if that's one of the reasons certain graduate students are drawn to your programs or you know, there, there might be something there that's happening.
2: I will say that I do not have a single graduate student that does not like dogs. So there is definitely a specific bias. type of person that yes. is joining joining my group for sure. That is, pr- I have all of the dog sitters in the world. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I have no babysitters in the group, but like I do have
1: a dog sitter. <laughs> <laughs> and some days that's okay.
2: But I do think when you're going, it can be very daunting to go into a chemistry PhD program. And I think maybe not for everybody, but for some people to be able to almost touch the real world application yeah. of it is again, I'm like, I'm biased. Like that's what drives me. And right. so I'm sure there's
0: a. I'm not the only one. Same. It's very appealing when you feel like you're right there to help somebody. And that's, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on your mindset. I think other people are really want to know, like there's the tinkerers and then there's the people who want to like hand you like, here, look what I made for you as opposed to, Ooh, can I take that apart? And I'm more of a, Hey, look what I made for you. than I, can I take that apart?
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Excellent. Okay. So we are going to put in the show notes, how you can register for the conference. Great. Everybody will have access to that. Um, Lauren, is there anything else you want people to know besides dress because it's going to be warm? Um, my gosh, it's so hot (laughs) in Miami to prepare for the conference.
2: No, I'm just really excited, you know, get your thinking hats on. It's going to be a lot, um, but I'm hoping to have good drinks afterwards. We're definitely going to do some kind of coordinated outing on Tuesday so everybody can get together and chat afterwards. Um, I'm hoping that people get a lot out of it. But, yeah,
1: registration is still open, um, and we would love to have you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, For taking the time out of your super busy schedule to beam in and give us an update on
0: everything that you're doing. And I have to especially say thank you that you're including the high school teachers and the (laughs) people abroad and the ones that are having babies. Like, (laughs) we are so thankful for you because there's no way that I could make it. And I've been just total FOMO this whole time when Robin's been talking about it. Oh, Robin, what are you presenting? Oh, yes. Why don't you talk about yours?
1: I am presenting because of um, my whole interest in coaching the human end of the leash is actually the fact that um, canines are the easy part. And so talking about canine handlers and um, my thoughts on how effective ways for training them. So that's my, that's my little blurb. I'm still in design mode on that one and um, what to, what to try and get out in a half an hour, because oh my gosh, that's a lot to get in half an
0: hour. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, yes. Well,
2: thank you very, very much for having me. I feel like I should be thanking you, as opposed to you thanking me. I appreciate that, and thank you for, to Canine Census for being our gold sponsor. That's phenomenal. We Woo-hoo! really appreciate
1: it. We really need it. You're very welcome. So I, when it when it came out, I was like, oh, sign me up, sign me up, because this is where Canine Census lives and that. Yeah. that bridge between science and practice. So yeah, that you was, both
0: are the applied people. Like yes. it's it's such a perfect match.
1: It was yeah. Awesome. And
2: I think it's really important
0: that both sides
2: are talking to each other. I'm glad that the operational community is starting to accept the science. And I think it's also important for the scientists to realize that if they want to do this, they have to be working with the operational community. Um, you can tell when studies weren't set up, were set up by people who don't know the operational side yeah. and they don't make sense yes. um, or they're not just, they're just not applicable to anything. Um, So I think, I think the two sides really need to work together.
0: Perfect. I have a question with that too. It seems like a lot of the studies yeah. are like eight dogs. Why is that? Oh, they're just yeah. so. <laughs> Cause dogs are expensive. Oh, is that what <laughs> it difficult. is really?
2: Um, no. Well, it's, it, it depends on who you're working with, but if you're trying to do green dogs that have no, like you want them to be with blank slates. Yeah. That's usually a cost and space issue because there's kenneling involved. Uh, and once okay. you get kenneling involved, it's hard. If you do like Dr. Hall has um get some from the shelters, so he's not buying dogs, but you still have to kennel them. Yeah. If you get um, I use nose work dogs a lot, which is a really good way around it because they're green to what I want, but I don't have to keep them <laughs> <laughs> or train them. So that's very helpful. Um, that's really great. But then if you do operational dogs, what I find is you may have 17 that agree to be there, but half of them will be deployed that day or somebody will get uh. injured or yada, yada, yada. You just, it's really, really hard to nail down enough dogs at one time.
0: Huh? Fascinating. Yeah. Cause so many of the, of the studies, it's like, well, it was eight dogs. Like really, is that really, I'd be <laughs> really happy with a study with eight dogs. Like, with five, a
2: lot of them are like three. Wow. Okay. Huh? I know I get so much crap from statisticians when we're applying for our IACUC, which is like the animal care use. Um, they're like, "What do you mean you're going to have ten dogs in three years?" I'm like, "Because that's what the funding is paying for." <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we need to get lots of dogs in Florida for so you. Like, but it's not
2: statistically relevant. I'm like, correct.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so hard. Oh my god. Thank gosh. you for answering yeah. that because that's been a, a curiosity I've had for quite a while. And I'm like, "There's got to be a good reason for it." It's not like that's like a you know, the best number to have.
2: <laughs> now I have this pet project that I don't, that I'd really like to show that we could use rats and do a bunch of the, we can do fundamental studies on rats and get tons of them. And then we can follow it up with like eight dogs Yeah. to, but um, nobody's, nobody's buying that yet. Oh, but that's, that's a shame. That's what I think we should do.
0: Yes.
1: I know. It but makes maybe, so much you sense. You can get like 50 rats. Yes. And and then you have scientific study, scientific valid or statistically valid. Yes, right. Statistically valid.
0: Yes. (sighs) Alas. And they got great little snippers. They just don't live long enough to do a lot of the jobs we need. Correct. Hmm. Well, now you can also use crabs and insects and (laughs) I could use crabs. Yes. Insects are really hard to train. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. I have so much to learn. I can't wait. Thank you so much for sharing all of this.
1: Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. You're welcome, everybody. Make sure you go out and register. Links are in the show notes, and we and
0: link the canine original biosensor book too.
1: Yes, I will we'll make do sure that, that, and I will yeah. link a,
2: um, I have a discount code, and I will I'll give you guys Ooh. that as Ooh, well. Okay, it is a very large book. It is a large, <laughs> book. Um, and on demand is not on the website yet, but I promise it will be
0: there. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> and you can use it as a platform for your dogs. You can use it for weight training. So there's lots yes. of other there's for lots it. of options for the
1: book. Absolutely, <laughs> it's very large. So, so we'll we'll keep all of that. All of that will be in the show notes. You can find the registration to go. Make sure you keep checking the website to find the on demand version. And we hope to see everybody at the end of May.
0: Canine detection collab. We appreciate the time you spend with us. If you liked this episode, not only should you follow us so you don't miss the next one, but please also rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. For info on collaborating with us, go to K9DetectionCollaborative.com. That's K9DetectionCollaborative.com, number where you can find our socials and pick up our latest monthly freebie. Join us again to talk training in the next episode.